0: You're listening to What She Said, a podcast about blogging, creativity and life online hosted by me, Lucy Loucroft, a freelance journalist and blogger based in Brighton. Hi
1: Terry, how are you? Hi, I'm okay, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me on. Nice to chat with you. Yeah,
0: it's been a while.
1: Yeah, since you moved to Brighton. Yeah,
0: I feel, uh, yeah, it's sad we can't have our nice walking around Ravensport park.
1: I know. Dates, never mind. (laughs) To
0: be honest, Anias is getting so big and wriggly now that she just, she can't cope with walking anywhere really. She has to get her energy out. She has to run away. Yeah, basically. (laughs) So, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your blogging journey so far?
1: Uh, Yeah, hi, I'm Terry and I um, when oh gosh. So I'm, I'm a mixture of things. Um, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify, because I know lots of people get confused. Um, yes, yeah, so I am a blogger, and that's pretty much where everything started out. I would say, um, but I'm also a designer and I teach creative workshops. So it's kind of a, a mix of things. Um, but I started my blog in 2012, I think. Um, so a fair amount of time ago, and. Um, it basically was just because I was so bored in my job, which was technically a creative job, but um it was just really lacking creativity. So my husband was on at me for quite a while to start a blog and I was like, oh no, I don't think I have the time for that. And, you know, I just made loads of excuses, but eventually I was like, okay, no, maybe I will. Because I was always doing little bits and pieces and making things and inspiration boards and I didn't really have a place to put it, so that's kind of, yeah, that's why it started and when it started as well. And it's
0: interesting that, so I'll clarify, because probably the reason why your husband was on it, you to start a blog was he's kind of in the industry, isn't he? Is he a web developer?
1: Um, yeah, so he's a web designer, although he wasn't actually at the time. He's actually become a web designer through my blog and website.
0: No way. yeah yeah that's interesting
1: yeah he um kind of well so he'd done a bit of um code stuff at uni and then he just I don't really understand how it's possible I mean I'm I'm just in awe of web designers in general but he just sort of taught himself and then from my website started getting commissions and things and then has gradually moved into it to do it as like a full-time job so yeah
0: that's crazy so from your blog yeah family's career like it's kind of changed everything
1: could you talk a little bit
0: about what the the moment that you the lovely draw became more than just a blog and it became a business
1: um it probably wasn't
0: one moment was
1: it no no and to be honest I was not taking it seriously in the beginning at all like I I knew nothing and Yeah, I mean, I just, I find it really funny when I think that because um, my husband was like, oh, well, you know, you probably need to have like an Instagram account and be on Pinterest and Twitter and, you know, all of these things that bloggers just do. Um, And I was kind of like, really? Why? (laughs) I don't really know why I need to do that. And um, so I wasn't really like, I don't know, I wasn't really aware of, anything I was just creating things and putting it on my blog and just really really enjoying it and I kind of said to myself that I'd um, upload twice a week um, which I no longer do for other reasons but for yeah for the majority of the time I, I did do that just because I loved it so much and then it was kind of um, it was it was a mixture of things back then as well, but it was quite design focused so um, things for people to make but also things that were inspiring me and um, I included some of my design work that I'd been doing and I started getting commissions um, sporadically, uh, usually through um, people who kind of vaguely knew me who were reading my blog. Um, and that was great. Um, but it wasn't anything big and then um yeah just I don't know gradually it just started to kind of build and build um until I was getting like a decent amount of work and um I kind of wasn't really prepared for it because I was still in my full-time job and um trying (laughs) to work every hour of the day because um I didn't know how to fit it all in um but I just really really enjoyed it and I sort of then asked work if I could go down to four days a week um which I thought was gonna be a pretty tough sell um I don't know why they agreed to let me go down to four days a week but (laughs) they did I think they thought maybe you know if I was inspired and creative outside then I'd be more like that inside of work um but actually I think it had the opposite effect I think it just made me realize how much I wanted to be doing that stuff um, and kind of getting frustrated that I couldn't do as much of it as I wanted. Um, So I eventually left my job kind of six months after doing four days a week um, and a day for kind of my own freelance stuff. Um, And it was, yeah, it was strange because I wholeheartedly always said I never wanted to own my own business. I wasn't that kind of person and um, I was much happier to work for someone else and yeah suddenly I was like actually you know I think I want to make this work and um, there were kind of conflicts of interest then at, with work and um, I was kind of at a point where I just had to make a decision so much to my friends and family's dismay, <laughs> I was mental, I Yeah, I was like, yeah, no, I think I just need to leave my job and try and work, which is so not like me. I'm not a massive risk taker. So, yeah, I think people thought I'd lost my head. But my husband was like, do it. How was the,
0: how was the, I was going to say how was the first year, but probably more, how were the first few weeks of being completely self-employed?
1: I was a total mess. (laughs) 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 I... I remember listening to Bombay Bicycle Club on the way home from my last day of work and just kind of like dancing along, swinging my step like, yeah, I can do this. And then from the next day, I was just like, what have I done? Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, it was sort of like what should have been quite a nice and exciting time because suddenly I had all this um time to put into actually developing and um yeah creating things that I've been wanting to create and I just didn't have the time and um lots of design related things that I wanted to do and I wanted to be able to sell um which sort of had hopefully long-term benefits in terms of you know making money and things but um I don't know I just got I was really caught up in just oh no am I gonna make enough money to survive and you know living in London that's kind of a big worry yeah. um but thankfully at that point Nick was actually um he was working from home as well which a lot of people thought might be complete madness and we would driving each other insane but it actually just meant that when I was sobbing in a corner <laughs> he could try and pull me out of my yeah. hole um yeah I think it was it was a massive emotional roller coaster and it really really helped to um well one knowing that we had a decent amount of savings so that we could fall back on because that took the pressure off slightly um but also just getting out and meeting other people who were self-employed and who were creatives and just hearing the endless amount of people saying "You, you honestly won't regret it like it's hard in the beginning but you will you will get where you need to be and and you're not gonna look back. And now that's what I say to people.
0: <laughs> it is true, isn't it? And I think you I don't know if there's a way that you can shortcut that initial No Terror. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what it is, isn't it? It's terror and that emotional roller coaster. And I don't know about you, but I sort of feel like now I feel I still have those moments. I don't know that you those moments ever go away. However no. much money or however, um, consistent your income gets. Yeah. Things just change. Do you have, so the, one of the things that you touched on there was having people, um, that can support you. People that aren't just online, um, that can, that you can meet up with is huge when you're self-employed. Whatever, whatever job that you're doing, just. Um, oh
1: yeah. Definitely. How,
0: was that prob- was that one of the biggest things that
1: helped you through yeah I think it it really did because suddenly um as well I'd gone from having colleagues to like no one it was just me at home and my husband bearing the brunt of my emotions um (laughs) so um yeah I think I was quite proactive actually at the beginning trying to like look up different creative events and um just ways that I could go and like in kind of, you know, face to face, speak to people um, who were doing that kind of thing. And then also, um, really, um, so I obviously knew some people on Instagram and stuff, um, but it was quite helpful to actually, you know, when they were arranging something that was more of an event thing, to kind of make the effort to go along and actually meet them. And I don't know, it just kind of formed a. Uh, sort of a, a community that you could kind of, like, call upon when,
0: you know, you didn't know what
1: you were doing at, at one stage or you just needed a bit of help or wise words or whatever, just people that, you know, were already doing it. Mm. Um, I think it was really, really helpful. Um, yeah, I'd kind of forgotten that, actually, that I I spent a lot of time going to things just to meet other people that were in a similar situation to me at the beginning.
0: It's a really simple... Thing. And for quite a lot of us, we're naturally in who are in this industry. We're naturally introverted, so it is probably the thing that yeah, most find hardest. Yeah, 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 it's uncomfortable, and it's and also most of us would rather do anything than than <laughs> get dressed up and go out and meet people that we don't know. But yeah, it is helpful, and one of the things that we were talking about a while ago now um, was. And I've, I've talked about this with a few people and I think we all feel the same is that having a friend in the industry can, that you feel comfortable to talk about money with or talk about um, collaborations with is pretty vital if you want to do brand collaborations particularly because you can, you can get really sold down the river. (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, it's so true and I was probably a bit timid about asking those kind of things in the beginning but like now I just I quite often if I've seen somebody's worked with a brand that I was thinking about working with and or like even if somebody's approached me and I I don't know I quite often ask other people what what they think I should charge that particular brand if I've seen that they've worked with them before or um Yeah, I don't know, because otherwise nobody knows Mm. anybody's saying.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And that's what brands rely on, right? Oh, yeah. Because if we don't talk to each other, then they can just say they don't have budget or say, oh, yeah, I can pay you in exposure and a free product, which for some people might be, actually, that might be really valuable and that might be what they want. But um, for other people, that might be completely... (laughs) Pointless. I don't necessarily that's not valuable to me exposure Um, yeah and getting a free product might be of value to me but it really probably isn't Um, I just want to be paid so being able to have those honest conversations with people is pretty vital I think a lot of us feel uncomfortable and timid about asking
1: yeah it's silly isn't it because Mm -hmm. we all have to charge and I don't know. I think, I've, well, yeah, we probably all think that we're not really worth as as much as, or like, sort of our skills aren't mm. worth as much as they actually are. Um, now I'm quite hard nosed about <laughs> that sort of thing. I think because I've probably spent too long um, working for not enough, and and as you say, like it's it's um, yeah, like there are some some brands that you you are happy to work with for just you know, getting some product because you really love what they're doing and you actually really want that thing. Like, you want to you kind of probably buy it anyway, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. But then there are other times when it's like a heck of a lot of work that they're asking for, so you kind of need to, you know, match that in, in how much you're charging. And I remember quite early on, um, I did used to actually work for – also, I was part of a blogging agency for some of the time I've been blogging. Um, I'm not anymore, but I remember when they first said, Oh, you know, send over your media kit, which at that stage I was like, uh, Cool, media kit. Right, let me just look up what this is. And okay, I've got a cobble one together. Um, and then, like, my pricing. And so I just sort of said what I'd roughly been charging, and they were like, Wow you're you really undercharging <laughs> which was so helpful to hear because I was like oh wow okay interesting I, I didn't know that um so yeah it helps it, it's good to ask <laughs> what would your best tips in
0: terms of brand collaborations be for somebody who's just starting out or for somebody who's been doing it a while but they feel like something's they're not maybe not charging enough or
1: um my best advice um I, I well, I mean, what we've been saying, like speak to other people, kind of find people maybe that are sort of a similar place to you or maybe like a similar style of blog that might be appealing to similar kinds of brands, and maybe ask them how they're navigating that and and be bold and ask about price um and and don't I don't know don't be afraid to to ask a brand for just upfront how much their budget is i think i just feel like in the past i've wasted so much time um you know the ins and outs of what what it could involve and i I don't know it's just good to know up front if you're thinking i kind of need some kind of payment for this then just ask what's your budget do you have one and then you can kind of cut it short if there's nothing available straight away or there's kind of room to negotiate a little bit um I kind of think that brands expect a bit of negotiation here and
0: there that's actually the first question I ask and I think it sets sets a good tone yeah you don't have to be hard-nosed about it I'll just say if I want to work with someone then I'll just say oh yeah that sounds really great what's your budget And end it at that because you're right yeah. you can sometimes spend a lot of time crafting a beautiful pitch or a, coming up with an idea of something exciting you could do together only for them to say yeah. oh yeah sorry we're going to give you vouchers or whatever or yeah,
1: yeah you just need to know yeah. <laughs> up yeah. front, don't you yeah. um, and then you can and then if it's I don't know like in the past if a brand doesn't have as much to play with as I was at first hoping for then I can then suggest maybe a way of doing something else that maybe is a little bit less time-consuming for me um, that would mean that there's still something nice that we could create together, but it isn't maybe as big a thing as they were intent- intending in the beginning. Uh, yeah,
0: that's a good point, actually.
1: Because I, I quite heard, often do that.
0: <laughs> and I think uh, that's kind of the reason why I don't believe there should be... I some I've heard somebody... Somebody started a whole Twitter thread about how they think you, they were implying bloggers should charge for this, 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 this. And sometimes when I hear people say, we should just have a standardised, this is what bloggers charge if they've got this following, this is what they should charge for this, isn't this? And I, I, that's why I disagree with that because it can, yeah, it's also case by case and yeah.
1: It definitely is. And it depends kind of what kind of, Blogger, you are, and, and what you're sort of focusing your attention on, because mm-hmm. it's it's going to be different for different bloggers. Yes. Um, and I, yeah, I, I kind of like to work with it case by case thing, yeah. and, and then just see what. So, when did the
0: brush lettering workshops start happening?
1: Um, so when did they start happening? Like oh maybe four years ago I'm really bad with time I'm just like how does time pass so quickly um yeah it was it basically came from a place of I I mean I've done brush lettering in one form or or another for maybe nine years um and not really thinking anything of it it's like basically messing around with the brush and I used to do it on enormous sheets of paper and uh, just sort of experiment and and um, then I, I started selling the prints online um, and I was approached by um, Lucy from Quilt, um which is actually now very um, calligraphy focused. But yeah, she basically said, How, had I ever thought about teaching workshops? And she said, have you ever thought about teaching brush lettering workshops? And I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> she was like you know that the lettering you do and I was like oh right yeah I didn't actually know it had a name um <laughs> trying to play it cool but it really didn't work um, <laughs> so um I was kind of like oh or oh, I, I don't know or oh, because I'd always had it in my mind that I didn't want to teach um I just thought that I would be a terrible teacher and also used to have quite a um yeah quite a phobia of speaking in front of large groups of people um so I don't know I was just I was a bit horrified when she asked and kind of thought oh well you know maybe I'll just ramble my way through and then hopefully she'll never email me and mention it ever again (laughs) (laughs) which which didn't work um and yeah then I, I don't know I'm i I do have things that i'm scared of but i'm usually i'm usually someone who just if if you know if it carries on rolling that way i'll just give it a go and um i know that usually even though it's horrible i know that usually if you put yourself in uncomfortable situations and try and stretch yourself it has good repercussions and you're not usually sad that you've done it um So I agreed to do that. So I was teaching um, for Quill for a while, maybe like a year and a half or so, two years, I'm not sure. Um, And then uh, I, I did actually really enjoy it. And I think once I kind of forgot about myself and was like... No, nobody cares, and <laughs> when people are listening to you and they've got deadpan expressions, it's just because they're listening. Like it would be creepy if everyone was smiling at you. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I suddenly was like, what do I do when I'm listening to someone? Just sit there with a, you know, expressionless face. Yeah, so, I never I thought think- about it like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it helped a lot because, uh, yeah, it. If someone was just smiling and nodding. You'd be like okay he's <laughs> so creepy uh-huh. <laughs> so um so yeah it was yeah then I didn't even like now I don't even think about it and I really really enjoyed seeing people kind of come along and like not be able to do it and then by the end of two hours like just seeing the pro- progress they could make and and then actually seeing people go away and then emailing me and showing me how they would used brush lettering I was just like, this Is this really cool? Um, so then I actually started teaching them for myself. So not for anyone else, just um for the lovely draw. Um, maybe like it'll be two years this November. So um so yeah, it's been it's been really, really good and actually it's weird because I didn't think that that would be such a huge part of the business and I didn't think that it would be something that I really enjoyed
0: <laughs> that's so funny and just taking a chance and taking a punt not even knowing what brush uh, was Just no. saying yeah sure I'll teach that thing that I do <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> and I mean I did have a dilemma at the beginning because as with most things that you teach yourself you haven't really picked apart what it is that you're doing mm. so I was like do I just do a demonstration So say, that's what you do? <laughs> <laughs> and then when I actually started, like, breaking it down, I was like, okay, there are quite a few different things that I'm subconsciously doing, but, you know, I'm not necessarily thinking about. But, um, yeah, that's been really fun. And actually, that's been a nice way, once again, because I work on my own quite a lot, that's been a really nice way of, of engaging with people on a creative level, sort of frequently.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point actually. I've been doing a lot more teaching and I love it. I actually really really? love it. Yeah, I never thought I would at all. And it is one of the parts of my business that I'm finding the most rewarding in a very surprising way. So I can totally relate to that.
1: That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So because you've got quite a few little strings, your little strings, your bow, that is a terrible use of English. (laughs) Little
1: strings, little mini strings.
0: Just, <laughs> little brush lettered strings you know. <laughs> which which part do you do you like having that? Do you like the fact that you can one day be doing a sponsored post on Instagram and then be writing about motherhood for your for the joy of it and then also be teaching people brush lettering and then be doing a big commission and then you know also all the brand work that you do do you en- do you enjoy the fact that it's so diverse?
1: Yeah, I really do. Um, I think I, I don't know, I think I've said this before, but um, I I can kind of appreciate from afar people that kind of make themselves known for one particular thing, and it's very much their brand, and it's very recognisable, and it's, like, you know that that thing you go to that person for. Um, I just don't think that I could do that long term because I just get bored like I love creativity in general so I think actually what I really struggled with aside from having some of the creativity squeezed out of it um (laughs) but with my previous job was just the monotony of it Mm -hmm. so you know you just kind of were doing the same thing pretty much day in day out whereas I never really know what's going to land in my inbox and um, that's quite nice. And actually, each day, there's such a mix of different things going on in terms of what I'm doing. I don't know, I think that keeps me quite excited about what I'm doing. I don't know, I I don't really like doing one thing.
0: It's funny, I was just reflecting on when you said, so I really relate to when you say there are those people who are just that one thing I mean yeah. not one thing but I know what you mean their niche is so tight that you just know they have and and I sometimes think oh I wish I was that person because I feel like my brain would be less muddled and you know what you mean <laughs> but at the same time I think of you I think of you like that I think not that you do one thing but I th- think of you as a very distinct brand and a very strong voice with a clear aesthetic. So so it's funny what other people (laughs) think about. And I think a lot of people will think that as well. Uh, I
1: I, well, it's something I always worry about is that am I just confusing people on a day to day basis and find it really interesting asking people what they think I am because I get, you know, like a range of different answers um, but that's good. If there's something tying it all together, at least, that, that makes me happy. <laughs> but I think it's
0: you. I think you're the one that ties it together.
1: I guess that would make sense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, it kind of leads me into the fact that you you are the lovely draw. The lovely draw isn't separate from you. And I, I uh, know that you don't... I mean, I know that your name is Terry. I'm sure that if somebody doesn't follow you intensely. They might not yo- know your name as that, but they know you, they know your face, you're present on stories. Um, so, and they'll probably, and you're, you know, they, they'll they know your motherhood journey, perhaps because you've documented all of that on your Instagram. Yeah. Um, right down to the really personal when you had a miscarriage. Yeah. Was that a conscious decision or was that just a... I share everything with my followers or you know Instagram so I'm going to share this too
1: um I think I'm quite an honest person in general like I and I don't that makes me sound really arrogant I don't mean it like that I just mean I'm not very good at sort of keeping things to myself like if if I'm if I'm struggling with something or if I'm really happy about something, then I will say, like, I don't, I don't feel the need to kind of be overly private. I mean, obviously there are some things that I don't share, but um, with the having a miscarriage, I think I was just so aware that I share so much on a day to day basis of not just, you know, what I'm working on, but like little bits of life and kind of behind the scenes that it felt, really strange to not, not, not that I owed people an explanation, but it kind of felt strange to not go into what was going on in my life at that time. So, you know, obviously, I suddenly wasn't on Instagram for a bit. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't posting on my blog. And then, you know, I had all these posts that I'd got ready to put out. And I don't know, like, it, (laughs) it was just like, not that it's bad to post, you know, here's how to make this DIY, whatever, or like how to dial your bathroom or whatever, because I love that sort of thing. But it just seemed really trivial mm. for me to do that at that time without, I don't know, putting kind of a marker in place to say, actually, this is what, what's happening. And it's really hard. And I don't know, I think often when I've written more honest stuff, on my blog it's also for me because Mm. i process as i write things yeah i don't have to publish it but um i think yeah it really helps me to kind of um not process it in a way that like i had never thought about those things and it was just sort of like coming out of me and um but i don't know just sort of like ordering my thoughts and um and I, I don't know, I've never, I've never regretted doing that. And with the post that I wrote on our miscarriage, like, I just was so overwhelmed with how many people got in touch with us about, like, their experience and, and their journey that, I mean, it was, it was heartbreaking. And actually, like, looking back, I was like, gosh, that really, was quite a lot to deal with everybody else's stories yeah. while we were still walking through it. But I don't know, I think actually it, it made me feel not as alone having that, you know, from an online community as well as having it in real life with, you know, um, it wasn't just online that we were very open about it, we were very open about it in real life with everybody we knew really but also speaking to people in real life about that sort of thing. I don't know, I just, I always feel like it, it helps yeah. um, and it feels less less of a burden if if I'm kind of talking about it and sharing it and, um, I don't know, I, I just, I felt like it was a real privilege to hear from other women and other women who said that, that it, the post had helped them and that's kind of exactly how they were feeling. It was really cool. I think it's, um, and
0: we talked about this before, the language that's used around miscarriage and the fact that we, when we're pregnant, are encouraged to not, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't tell anyone yeah. for three months, actually can be quite a negative. It can be quite a barrier because when you, oh, yeah. when your baby, di- if your baby dies, before, you know, at two months, at nine months, at any age, you, it's nice to be able to have support. And to yeah. feel like you have to keep that secret. Um, so I think 100% it would have helped so many people. You talking about having a miscarriage and talking about Zion openly. Yeah. And, and since and talking about the anniversaries and.
1: Yeah, I think it's just like, it's such a big part of our life and what's happened to us. It kind of feels, I don't know, I don't see why people should feel like they, they can't talk about that kind of thing um and well like what you were saying about um not saying anything about being pregnant in the first 12 weeks like I just I mean we we didn't buy into that you know then either like we were very much of the mindset that if if the worst did happen even before it did um we knew that we would you know all the people that we would tell that we were pregnant we would we would be Letting them know what had happened, and we'd really want their kind of support and prayers and stuff. So it just, yeah, everybody pretty much in our lives knew that we were pregnant anyway. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's society that tells us that we're not we're not meant to, and we kind of all just buy into it. But I don't feel like we have to. I mean, sure, if you don't want to, that's fair enough. But yeah, there shouldn't be that pressure. I don't know. I speak to loads of people, and they're like, oh yeah, the first. It was just so painful because it's just so lonely because you're not allowed yes. to test And I'm like, but you are allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> no going to police it.
0: <laughs> I remember once, um, because I was the same as you, I just told people. Um, yeah. okay, I occasionally, the people that I didn't tell, I just didn't really feel the need to tell, but I certainly didn't keep it secret. Yeah. Um, but somebody, said to me oh you shouldn't say anything and I won't be telling anyone because I'm superstitious and I was like Um. (laughs) I mean that's not really that's not really my problem.
1: (laughs) If you're superstitious and yeah I'm not um yeah that doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) And it was it made me realize that the reason that um we're told that you shouldn't say anything. Of course it's because miscarriage is a lot more common in the first twelve weeks than it is thereafter. But yeah. it's to protect everybody else from your grief.
1: Yeah.
0: I think. I think it's to protect people from the fact that it's uncom- maybe uncomfortable for them to hear you talking about the fact that you mm-hmm. you're bereaved. That's yeah. that's what I think it is. Um, and it
1: is yeah. it is uncomfortable. Like I I, from experience pre-miscarriage, knew people that lost babies and it was really hard to know what to say, but I think having been through it, there isn't, you know, there isn't a right thing to say and actually people just showing that they care in whatever way that is for them is, is meaningful. Like it doesn't, yeah, nobody's gonna say, the right thing all the time or you know what can you say
0: <laughs> well that's it isn't it it's not about saying the right thing it's just about saying something yeah or, or not you, you don't necessarily have to but it's it's not about it it's really helpful to know that when someone else is grieving they kind of aren't thinking about you <laughs> yeah exactly it's
1: not all about you <laughs> it's true um and it was really I I found it liberating as well to be very honest about it with just anyone that I was working with because obviously I'd been working on a load of projects and then it happened mm. and um, yeah I, I mean I, I can't imagine have, having to try and like cobble through that and try and make excuses for, for what was going on but actually just saying what was happening I mean, obviously people understood. There's like always that fear that they that they won't. But um, I don't know, that just took a pressure off that didn't need to be there about kind of worrying about what, you know, clients that you're working with might think about you kind of being a bit slack or all those sorts of things, you know?
0: So. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I was working in an office. I was staffed. I was staffing a newspaper when I found out I was pregnant um, and knowing that if I if I'd have miscarried then I think it would have been so hideous to, to have to come into work Oh yeah. thinking you're asking me to do this piece of work that is so bloody trivial to me because yeah. I've lost a baby and not to have the support there but yeah.
1: Oh yeah no I can't imagine that and I mean to be honest it, it wouldn't have worked I don't know how women hold themselves together because I mean it was pretty clear I, I looked a complete wreck and the kids <laughs> did not start coming so I don't think I could have fooled anybody really
0: no not at all and why should you why should you have to fool anybody oh women, yeah isn't it it's crazy
1: yeah um that
0: probably leads us nicely into where can everybody find you online
1: Um, Well, so you can find me on, um, you can have a little read of my blog, which is um, www.thelovelydraw.com. Currently working on completely overhauling my brand and website as we speak. So hopefully that will be done soon. Um, And I'm also mainly on Instagram, I would say, if you're going to go on any social media platform and i'm also the lovely draw on that as well so yeah you'll get to hear all my daily ramblings on stories and <laughs> whatnot
0: <laughs> i love your stories definitely.
1: i really do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so so much for coming to what
1: it's been a pleasure for having me it's nice to chat to you
0: and you can find me at lucy lucraft everywhere I mostly hang out on Instagram you can find old episodes of what she said over at com, where you'll also find me chatting about all things blogging travel vegan life and zero waste living too Lastly, I know everybody asks this and it's a total pain in the ass. but please think about leaving the show a rating and review. It makes a huge difference to getting the show out to new listeners. And for every review you leave, I'll donate £2 to charity. So that's £1 for you and £1 from me. The chosen charity changes each month, so listen out for it in the intro each week. Thanks for listening.